welcome back to the Restricted You podcast. Hello. I am Deborah, as always. I am Chris. And today we have another episode for you, but not a review this time. Nope. Even not though a we, we snuck in three reviews in the last episode. Was it three? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, 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 you're right, it was. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen anything. We haven't no. seen anything. We're seeing something tomorrow. Actually, we're seeing two things tomorrow. Hopefully. So we'll, hopefully. So we'll have, um, we'll have, well, one thing definitely. Two things, hopefully. And so we'll definitely have a review for you next week. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, and we'll probably have a review the following week as well. Uh, yeah, we should do. Yeah. Um, but this week it is a list and it is the antithesis to a list we previously did. Uh, we previously came at you with the most overrated musicals. Yeah, we were making enemies that time, but this time I think it's just making friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but of course, we're also going to have uh, some tips. We're going to have a discussion topic. And we're going to start off, as ever, with... The, week, the week's news. So we've got a few items of news, actually, to cover this week. Um, nothing nothing super major, but um, a few talking points worth mentioning. Uh, first and foremost, so I suppose the sad news first... Um, is that uh, is that the mirror and the light, which was was originally due to close on the twentieth of November, uh, was subsequently um, extended. That extension has now been cancelled, uh, so the show is actually going to close on twenty eighth of November, twenty twenty one, as originally planned. Which means that we definitely will not be able to get to see, it, unfortunately. No, uh, it's uh, it's it's a shame, isn't it? But it's, I guess it's very niche um, because obviously you, it's a second part of a trilogy. Yes, and we hadn't seen the first one, which is why we were dilly dallying about going to see it. Yeah, and I guess our minds being made up for us now. Exactly. Yes, but yeah, it's a shame. But at least it's finishing its run, its original run, anyway. Yes. Yeah. It is. Although I guess yes. I guess it is. It's a, it's not a great sign. I guess that it extended no, and had cancelled. That's very true. But um, on the positive side, though, uh, get up, stand up, the Bob Marley musical, which only opened very very recently in the last week or two, uh, has already been extended. From it's originally going to close on the third of April, twenty twenty two. It's been extended now to the eighteenth of September, twenty twenty two. So that's what a th- three month. April to September. Yeah, it's about a three month extension, uh, approximately three and a half month. Yeah. Um, no, it's five months, isn't it? May, June, we July, don't know, we don't August. Know oh yeah, you're right. It's four, yeah, you're right. It's four and a half months. Yeah, you're yeah. quite right. So that's um. So we haven't seen that yet. It's brand. It's just opened. We 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 definitely. If we go see it, we won't be until the new year because um. Well, because our we're going to be away for quite some time. Yeah. At the end of the year, we're not going to be in London for a bit. Uh, so um. Yeah, but so at least at least it's good news that we will definitely have plenty of opportunity next year to go see it. Absolutely, yes. And lastly, but definitely not least, if you didn't catch Sutton Foster in Anything Goes, now you'll have a chance to see it in the cinemas because the um, a, a version, a recorded version of Anything Goes will be showing in the cinemas from the 28th of November until the 1st of December. So check your cinemas, check cinema near you, see if they're showing Anything Goes because you, I, I mean, it's still on. This hasn't closed yet in the West End, but Sutton Foster's gone now. So there was a, there was a rejiggle in the cast, uh, and and you can definitely you can you can check it out. It would be nice to have this um someone someone somewhere will have very good a very good filmed version of Anything <laughs> Goes, which I know pleases a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if you want to check out our review of uh, said show, Anything Goes, uh, it was our episode ten, it's the lovely. You can check out our review of that show. Um, obviously the short version is we. We did enjoy it and we recommended it. So uh, we definitely would recommend you to go and, go and check out this film, filmed version if you weren't fortunate enough to be able to go see it at the Barbican. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it'll come to uh, TVs and like streaming services, I'm sure, soon and we'll have that as well available. 
Yes, well, we hope, well, hopefully. There's no guarantee of that yet, though, is no, there? No, no, that so far is just the cinemas for a few days. Cool, and it is still open with uh, Sons, Sudden Foster, isn't it? Yes. For a little bit longer. When's the journal's closing, actually? Yes, it closes on, closes on the 6th of November, so you still have some time to catch it if you haven't yet. But if not, you can definitely watch it in, the cin- in cinemas from the 28th of November until the 1st of December. From the cheap seats this week, as I said, uh, is a list. And this time, not a list that will make us enemies, as I say in intro. It's hopefully a list that will make us friends. And it is uh, the, the shows that we think are underrated. Yeah, most underrated musicals. Yes. As I said, the antithesis to uh, most overrated musicals. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You may have, Those of you out there may have been able to work out what it was going to be. Um, so yeah, top five most underrated musicals. Now, this, this list might make... Uh, I mean, there are some really obscure musicals in, out there in the world that mm-hmm. we we don't that we have never seen or heard heard, um, which some of you might might some of you might hear this list and think it's oh it's very that's very basic those are you know that's those aren't underrated at all, uh, whereas other others of you might might have never heard of some of these. So I guess it just depends where you sit. I mean, I, I think obviously we see a lot of shows. I get, I think we're fairly well poised. But I was at the same time making my list. I was thinking well, a lot of these are still are still reasonably big shows. They are still reason. Uh, me too. I actually had the same uh, encountered the same problem. And at the same time, if you've been listening to us for now, this is the twenty second episode of the podcast. I think some of these are um, always present. I think these are the shows that we always mention a lot of the time. Some, uh, some of them. Some of them. Not, not all. Def- definitely not all. all. Not all. Definitely all of them. But also, um, it also it's, it's underrated. It's a bit like when we said for the overrated list. You know, for example, we love Hamilton, but Hamilton's definitely an overrated show, right? It's definitely blown out of proportion. Um, a show can be great, and you can love it, and it can still be overrated. Yes. Um, and sim- similarly, uh, a show can be um, a show can be reasonably successful and still be underrated. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, like, oh, and there are other, you know, so so shows. I don't know, like a really obscure musical, like, like I don't know. Um, okay, I said obscure, but like I don't know, something like like the Music Man, for example. Um, that's got a couple of really fun songs that I really like. But I think there's a reason it's not. It, it doesn't get revived very often. I don't think it's a great show. Yeah. So do I think it's underrated? No, I kind of think it's had the right amount of success. Over, <laughs> okay. You know? yeah, yeah. So exactly, yeah. so so you know, if you're waiting to hear something as obscure as that. Well, it's not obscure the music man, but it's not you know it's not it's not it, you wouldn't hear it mentioned very often on a, on a musical theater podcast these days. No, um, not. you know, or something like Pippin, for example, right? It's like it's it's you know they're I don't think they're underrated. I, they have the, the the right amount of success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they, these are shows that we uh, think don't have the recognition <coughs> they actually deserve. Yes, exactly. So who's gonna kick us off? Um, I think that's probably your no. My turn to go first. You it, go no. first. You can go first because you always want to go first because it doesn't matter because you always somehow seem to say the show I want to say. So you go first. Okay, so my number five is, I frankly I, I probably would put this at number at my number one. So obviously my number five is my the one I think is the least underrated, and my number one is going to be the one I think is the most underrated. Okay, compared to how successful and how how critically acclaimed they are, compared to how good they actually I think they actually are. Um, so my number five probably should be my number one. <clears throat> But in an attempt to kind of on you know to attempt to kind of counteract uh, personal bias, I've decided to stick it at number five. It had to be on the list though, um, and that, and it is Chess yep. by Benny and Bjorn of ABBA fame. <clears throat> I assume that will be on your list. With lyrics by Tim Rice. I I kind of think this is the most underrated musical of all time, frankly. But as I said, to eliminate that personal bias, I'm sticking it at number five. Um, it wasn't very successful when it first opened. It it's had a couple of runs recent in the last you know five ten years. Craig Revel Horror did a tour, which I think was into Canada and the UK, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it had the Coliseum run. Uh, it only ran for five weeks back a few years ago. 
apart from that, it just doesn't really get done a lot because yeah. people don't like it. I think I think that's one of the um, one of the uh, criteria I used as well. If the show is running throughout, like if it's still running, if it's been running for years, yeah, it's not underrated. It's not gonna be. It's not underrated. It's not on my list. Um, but also it can be underrated for other reasons, I guess. Uh, yeah. As well. Uh, but, but also, like, I mean, th- um, sh- like when the concept album came out, I know, like some of the songs, like uh, I know them so well. One night in Bangkok. They, yeah, made they, the charts, they, didn't they? They made the charts. They had yeah. music videos. They were very successful. I think the music from it probably did get a lot of acclaim. For some reason, the musical itself just has never been... Um, I don't know. It's never been... It's it's never been... I, I don't think it's ever, it's, it's never been that successful, frankly. Yeah, I, yeah. Remember, I remember even going to... Um, when I went to see the Craig Revel-Hood, Craig, Craig Horwood's version... Um, I went with a theatre friend who'd gotten us tickets actually. So we, and we, the the the, the manager of the theatre actually sorted us tickets. It was very kind of him. And we we and we we went to to see him before the show. Um, and that and uh, and I remember the person I went with, uh, who had secured the tickets through, um for me. Um, had uh, he said he said to the theatre manager, yeah, I think uh, this is this is their this is their master. There's their, their masterpiece. This is their magnum opus. And the manager went kind of went. Maybe you know, as, as if to, and I, I felt like I didn't. I obviously, you know, I was a young lad at the time, and this man had just given me free tickets for, to his theater show, to his theater. Yeah. So I wasn't. So I wasn't. In, I wasn't. Fair enough. But but I felt like saying to him, "What you think, Mama Mia's better?" <laughs> No, it's not. Not as a music. I mean, Mamma Mia, the film is better. I, we've talked about this. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I understand. But yeah, but, actually, but there you go. That's that's someone in the industry, a theatre manager in the industry, who knows his stuff, and he he didn't he, wonder, he didn't rate chess. Uh, yes, I wonder how uh, influenced people also are by critics <coughs> in general, because we when we saw the most recent production with Michael Ball and Tim Howard, uh, the critics weren't very kind to it, but we loved it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think maybe there's also an unconscious bias there the other way. So you can you can definitely be biased yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I put it at number five in attempts to eliminate that. But, yep. but there you go. So uh, my number five is actually a show that I. So I do think it, it gets um, enough. People people do like it. However, it's never done. It's not done very much. Not nowadays anyway. Maybe it was done for long, for longer before. Um, and it's Little Shop of Horrors. Huh. Yeah, I think I I think it's such a great show and so much fun, and I wish I could see it more often. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I agree with you with respect to I guess of live shows. I've only ever known of one professional production since since I've known of its existence, which we went to see. Yeah, the one um, on the open air. Theater. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. even a theater; it was an open air theater. Mm. Um, but I, I, I was the thing that would that would have stopped me from putting this in the list would have been the fact that it has you know it had a very successful movie. It, there's rumor of it having a remake of the movie. Sure. Yes, and we talked about it last week. Yeah. Actually, yeah. No, I know. Um, um, I, I guess. I guess. I, like it's it's bled into a lot of kind of. I think I feel it's bled into the public consciousness quite a bit. Yes, um, to, some, to a certain extent. I can I, I can understand your argument. Yeah, I, I think I think it should be done more, and you know, a three month run is not enough. I need it. I need it to be there for longer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. It's. Uh, I think it's. Yeah, I'm. 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 I. I wouldn't. I don't think it's underrated. I think it's probably more appropriate. But well, I. Can, but I can, number five. But I can understand your argument. Yeah, we'll see. As long as your. As long as your list goes in the right direction, I'll accept well, I it. I hope so. <laughs> okay, so my number four, which is definitely going in the right direction, I think. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, I think chess is better known than this. So my number four is an Android Weber musical. Mm. We we we're very confident Android Weber on this podcast, but we're also very critical of him because he's very hit and miss. Um. It. But this is the woman in white. Oh yeah. 
Okay. Which uh, is a show which opened, I can't remember when, it must have been 2006, I think, I want to say, roughly, in the West End. Uh, it's based on the book by Wilkie Collins, of the same name. Uh, it is, uh, which is, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a gothic, it's very gothic, it's a gothic, not really a horror story, but kind of, a, it's a, yeah, it's a gothic it's story. It's Victorian gothic. <laughs> Yeah, which has certain crossovers, definitely with with modern horror tropes. Well, that's kind of where it starts, isn't it? Yeah, so, quite. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's so it's 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 uh, the reason I think it's underrated is is just because it basically completely and utterly bombed, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think it deserved to. I think it definitely doesn't deserve to be you know the top top musicals of all time list or anything, and it definitely hasn't got. It wouldn't have, you know I don't think it had the same power to be say in the West End to this day or anything. I mean, clearly not, but um, but it it is a fun show and it has some great characters and it has some great uh, some great some some good songs and it has some very uh, entertaining moments. Um, we actually did happen. I saw the original West End production back when I was fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen, however old I was. Um, and we we also went to see the Charing Cross Theatre put on mm-hmm. a small production of it a few years ago. Yep. Which, uh, which which Deborah, which Deborah got to see. So obviously Deborah hasn't hasn't seen the original much bigger production, but she did see the this version this version. And you, yes. you enjoyed it, right? I, I did enjoy it. Yes, very much so. I actually planned to read the book, but you know, as with many things, haven't done it yet. <laughs> the original production had Michael Crawford, the original Phantom mm-hmm. of the Opera, as uh, Count Fosco, um, and uh, he had like he, they used like they had a during one of his, his his comic number they had uh, they used these live rats who oh, run, ran along him and stuff um <laughs> or at least were supposed to and then i don't know what the success rate was of the of the trick but um i don't think i didn't see michael Crawford, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i saw my, uh, someone someone else michael ball also um took over the role at one oh, point as well yeah um and uh it was yeah it was it was i it, it's it's just a fun and entertaining show with some good numbers and some good comic set pieces, it's it's a good story. It's got some good intrigue. It's a little bit silly in, in naff and ways, I guess, as these gothic horror things often are. But it was it's it's an entertaining story with some mystery, some intrigue, some as I said, gothic horror stuff, which is just fun, really. Um, and... I think Victorian novels lend themselves to be adapted into musicals really nicely, just yeah. because they have such some some of the plot twists and some of the Deus Ex Machina moments are very musical theatre. You know, they just happen randomly, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, okay, I'll have to accept that this person had an uncle who was rich, and now they're yeah. <laughs> now they're fine. You know, you you have to go into this one knowing it's it's going to be it is going to be a bit silly in some ways yeah. right like it's gonna it, it, there's a certain tone to it which uh it, despite the fact that it has a very serious tone it kind of it's it's kind of constantly you're, you're it's, it's almost like you're watching something very seriously but you're all constantly stifling a smile because it's all a bit ridiculous yes i think um, i think that's going with that with that knowing that yeah I think that's it's very entertaining that's due to a to a change of sensibility and the way we uh we consume these stories very different from the way the victorians did yeah so that's why that happens yeah yeah but definitely worth seeing if you ever get the chance that's my number four the woman in white okay so uh my number four is actually a show that it might have got enough attention when it was out um at least at least for me i think i definitely enjoyed it a lot when it was here but i was upset that it closed and i would i wish it was open still which it is half a sixpence yeah, uh, I th- yeah, that makes sense. I this is this this I think this is on my honorable mentions. It's not on my list. Yeah, it's it's a show I really really enjoyed. It it was such a joyful show. So it was so happy. Um, I enjoyed going to see it. Once I saw it the first time, I 
I, I want to keep going back. It's just one of those shows. And I never really hear anyone talking about it. Yeah, well, I think this falls... So this is a topic that will come up later on with my other ones, but it kind of falls into this category, I think, of something, for example, like The Music Man, which I mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Half a Sixpence, the version we saw was very mass heavily reworked yes, for, mo- for, modern yeah, yeah. Audi- for modern audiences. It's still the same show. It's still the same you know uh, basic show same songs and everything but 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 it's 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 heavily modernized and that's the sort of thing that for example i think the music man needs Mm -hmm. and that's the sort of thing that a lot of these older shows need that um that i think uh that i think i think i think the ones that have had that are underrated yeah more so than the ones that haven't had that modern revamp yeah and I'll, 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 you'll, you'll understand a bit more. I mean, when I get to one of mine later on, but I definitely, I do agree with you. I think, I think, I think, have sixpence probably uh, maybe struggle to draw in some crowd, the crowds because because everyone, I don't know, because everyone was, assumed they knew what they were like, they knew yeah. what it was, but then it was, it wasn't actually that. And also, they were very lucky to have Charlie Stem starring in the show, and he was just very good at it. I think he did such a good job in in the in the lead row as well. So. I think I think that was there was a great that particular production was particularly great, but I never hear anyone talk about it, so I think that's why it's my number four. And we do have the soundtrack. We do have the soundtrack. Yeah. We even bought a, a tankard actually at the we we broke our rule of buying merchandise. <laughs> very true. Yeah, because we we really just really did love it, and it was so so full of joy. Yeah, it's a very happy, joyful show. It's very kind of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm trying to think of the, it's, it's very much of that of that that I'm trying to think of what that genre is the uh, full that, of full of joy. It's a fe- it's a very feel good kind of like minstrel style. Uh, who who's it by actually? So I'm not sure who the the, the music's by the the adapted book is by Julian Julian Fellows who um, wrote Downton Abbey. Oh really? Really, really suits uh, the show. I guess the original one was Beverly Cross was the was the was that wrote the book and the composer was David Henniker mm-hmm. of the original. But yeah, so it was an it was an heavily re- it's based on Kipps, isn't it? By uh, yes. the H.G. Wells novel. Yes. Of all people. Yeah, well, Arthur um, Kipps is the main character. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the revival that we saw, uh, yeah, definitely heavily modernized by who? Who, who was it by? You say? Julian Julian Fellows. Okay. I think that's how you say his name. I could be mispronouncing his surname, but um, yeah. Yeah, heavily heavily revised version though, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I do think that if if it hadn't been revised, I would actually I would not agree with you. But I think no, because... I, well I have I don't even know the original, but I actually think that that version was just so great. Yeah. They had rain on stage. They had all sorts of great things. So you know, and the version we saw definitely yeah underrated. I agree. Yeah. So my number three then is yeah. a is a Buber and Schumberg musical. Um, it's not. No, thank you, and it's not obviously not Les Mis, and it's obviously and it's not Miss Saigon either. I've I've actually seen Miss Saigon listed on a lot of um, underrated musical lists. Not my list. And they made they made me kind of go. Well, that's very basic. Miss Saigon's quite. I mean, I've seen I've seen two productions of Miss Saigon over the years. I feel, but but this is what I'm saying. It's all perspective, right? Mm-hmm. For some people, Miss Saigon might be a very elusive show they've never heard of. But um, but for me, it's Martin Gare. Martin oh, Gare is my number three. That, yeah. yeah, so Martin Gare opened back in I don't even know when it was the nineties, the eighties, and uh, with it had um, it had uh, Jerome Pradon, uh, it had uh, what's his name, Ian Glenn, yeah, Ian yes. Glenn as an old detail. Um, it had uh, yeah, so actually quite a heck of a cast, um, and it it tells the story of uh, the re- the true story apparently allegedly. Well, I mean, it is the the, the elements are I think, I think the court case exists, so the true story of. Um, of a man named Martin Guerre from Artigat, which is in Spain, I think, 
um, who went off to fight in a war and then um, and then uh, seemingly returned. But it turned out that then then there was the person who returned. They ended up being a trial to determine if this person was actually Martin Guerre because he'd lived there. He'd been living amongst them for quite some time. And then very dramatically, genuinely, during the trial, the real Martin Guerre actually came burst into the courtroom. Um, that, that actually wow. that actually happened, um, and it's, so it's, it's obviously dramatized. So it's this, in this way, that's in the, in the drama. The um, the, the um, I, I have no idea, like to what extent this is this, you know, to what extent the person who impersonated him was a villain or not. But in this version, um, they're 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 friends in the in the bat in the war. He believes Martin to be dead. He actually goes home to give news that he's been to his wife that he's dead. Is mistaken for Martin by the village idiot. Wow. Um, and then he kind of says to everyone, the idiot Benoit is like, "Oh, Martin's back! Martin's back!" And mm-hmm. then, and he kind of, he kind of just ends up accidentally living this lie. Yeah. Um, there's a question mark over whether the wife Bertrand knows. In the version I saw, directed by Craig Revel Howard, they, they removed all that ambiguity. So it's kind of, um, it's cause she knows because they, because because they weren't, they didn't want to get married anyway. They were married for. One of the reasons he runs away is because he's been forced to marry someone when he's like really young. And he doesn't want to, and all this. Um, and it's got some brilliant songs. It's got some really good songs, like such as uh, Martin Guerre. I am the song he sings when he's running away, saying, "I'll come back one day." It's got a, uh, it's got uh, "I'll make you proud." It's got um, uh, what's oh um, the trial when the trial actually is great. Who are the imposters here? Um, it's it's really really good, and it's it's a good it's a good story, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and it's a really, yeah, it's a cracking show. And I've never seen a full, massive production of it. The version I saw um, in the Watermill Theatre was quite small. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever seen acting musicians actually utilised. Oh, nice. Um, I'd love to see a big, big production of this. Yeah. I've only ever seen the clips you showed me on YouTube. And From the documentary. Yeah, and, they, and it, does look, it does look like something I would really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll come back. Yeah, cracking music and a really big-looking, awesome... The original production looked massive and, all, and huge. The small production I saw was also great, mm-hmm. just a different way. Yeah. So uh, my number three is actually <laughs> who would have thought something Chris already said, <laughs> and it's chess, and that's my number three. Yes, I, I don't. It didn't matter who went first. I, I would have. It would. I would. I would have definitely said it before you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I. I think. Uh, I think it's a great show, and I really think that it's. I don't think it's it's um, appreciated for what it is. Yeah, it gets a lot of stick for some reason. Yeah, I I don't know why. Um, I don't quite, I don't fully understand why. Um, and I, I was baffled. I I remember being baffled by the critics, uh, from like the the, the critics in in the all the all the reviews I read, for the um the production at the Coliseum. The Coliseum. Yeah. Um, because really, like a lot of the arg- like a lot of the arguments to me uh, were not really valid, uh, and I really disagreed with all of them. I remember thinking that as well. I can't think of any specific examples. No, um, I think there was a lot of just we don't like this just cause, and there was uh, there was a, and there, there were arguments that I did not agree with. The Cold War tension doesn't work, <laughs> but it really does, no, right? Yeah, and, I agree. And, and it's just I think it really works and. If if anything, I mean the fact that the Queen's Gambit it was so successful on Netflix, it just it shows there is there is a there is a niche audience there for uh, it's not, chess. It's not things. about chess. No, I it isn't say about, it's not no, about. No, it chess. isn't. It isn't. But there are chess. Mo- there are moments there about chess, uh, which which are fun. Yeah, but it's like it's like yeah. But when they play when they're playing the games of chess to to, to music, that's not. Uh, it's it, it, the chess. It's about the subtext, right? It's like there's plenty of films with games of I don't know games of poker or something and it's not about the poker being yeah, played it's about yeah. this it's about the uh 
it's about everything else that's happening around that game. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's 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 uh, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. 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 So that, that's my number three. We we talked about it. Yeah. What about your number one. two? My number two is the one. I was, this is what I was saying about um, revamped versions of shows, right? Mm-hmm. So, my number two is sort of by Gilbert and Sullivan, <laughs> sort of not. Um, Gilbert and Sullivan have a show called The Mikado. Yes, I've heard of it. Which is old and dreary and a bit boring. Okay. Right? Whether you like it or not. It's not, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Look, it's, 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 it's fun, but it's just, it's, 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 it's fine. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's, but it, here's the thing. The original Pirates of Penzance is also old and dreary and a bit boring. And it was massively reworked. Um, sometime in, I think it was in the 90s or in the 80s. It, it had a, it had a massive, it was massively redone. And people think of that as the Pirates of Penzance now. Right, as that being the the original, as as if that were the original. One. Yeah, and a lot of the jokes have been added in, a lot of the visual gags mm. have been added in. I mean, we don't know to a certain extent, but but also a lot of the songs that are, that were used to be sung quite straight are now played for laughs, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe maybe back then people's sensibilities were different. Maybe back then it was funny without having to be played so hard. I don't know. Anyway, it needs that rewrite, and the Pirates yeah. of the Dance is great fun and brilliant. But it, um, but if you but if you went back and watched it now, find the wall in you know back in uh. When Gilbert Sullivan originally wrote it, it was uh, he wouldn't enjoy it. He, he wouldn't find it as funny. I don't think. And the same is true for Half Sixpence. Yes. Right. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So my number, mine, and so I think this is genuinely very underrated. Yeah. And it is uh, Hot Mikado. So okay. this is the thing. Hot Mikado is 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 it's it's basically the Mikado. The plot's the same. The song's the same. It's just really jazzed up, and there's and there's an additional dialogue, right. uh, which makes it very, which is which is funny. And it, it's it, and the thing is, Pirates Penzance might the, the new one might as well be called the Pirates Penzance we all know might as well be called Hot Pirates of Penzance. It is it, it is it is it is. It is, it is that is as different to the original as Hot Mikado is so to the Mikado. Ver- so the version, the film version of Pirates of Penzance I saw is the new version. That's the new version, okay. yeah. yeah. I think new version is the same. It's just massive. It's, yeah, just, so it's, just, it's, it's just revised. It's reworked, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but what my point is, that was, they, didn't, they didn't signpost that to the same extent that, that, um, that Hot Mikado... So it was, it was da- David it- H. Bell basically yeah, revised the Mikado into a musical called, uh, called Hot Mikado. And it's... it's, it's um, but like it's it's misle it it's it that makes you think it's like a brand new thing based on Mikado or or moved away from Mikado like as it's as it is to Mikado as modern Pirates Penzance is to the old one and as as half sixpence is to the old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So is it, it, but is it, is it um because maybe it's more different. I don't think Pirates so. Or, or I don't think so. Years. I've seen I've seen. I mean, Mikado. The, the difference is Mikado. You can still go and see the original. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. it's still put on. And the uh, other ones aren't really. The other ones, are, I think, I think I have seen um, productions, not like not seen myself as an audience member, but have have seen, seen not heard seen, of, yeah. heard of um, old uh, the old original operetta Pirates of Dance being put on still. Okay. Um, and I've heard, I've definitely seen clips on YouTube of it, and it's not as fun. No, I guess you've missed a lot of the uh, the gags, and yeah. it's just as I said, it's different sensibilities, right? And what we find. Uh, funny and um, entertaining, very different from what they found funny and entertaining in the beginning of the twentieth century. Yeah, so. and the same. It's just, it's yeah, it's just those songs need to be sped up and modernized and jazzed up. And Hot Mikado is really good fun. It's very, very funny. It's got some great numbers in it, and it's a lot better than the original Mikado. Okay. For modern audiences. I don't know anything about that, but I would like to see it. Very <laughs> open to seeing new shows. 
so my number two is actually <laughs> this one is controversial and I can even I can already picture Chris's face like that's not that's not underrated but it is underrated because everyone I speak to in this country doesn't seem to like that show apart from people who have kind of overcome the fact that they had to study in school <laughs> and it's Blood Brothers which I know is not it's not it's look it's because I love it so bloody much that I think it's it's so good and I really it really pains me to hear people being like nah whatever I mean, it was... because I had to study for my GCSEs no 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 you grow up and then you go back to the theater and you've learned to like it differently I mean it was in the West End for like 20 years oh no years, I am aware of that it's permanently on tour no I'm aware of that <laughs> I'm aware of all that but oh, it's I think I it's, think it's, one of the yeah. things that sustains the tour is the fact that, they, that the kids yeah, study think, every yeah, year based on the fact that we're often the only adults in the theatre now exactly yeah now, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit I, I, I accept this purely on the basis that it's it's an, it's it's specifically uh, you taking issue with with adults who studied it not liking it because they studied it. Yes, and I think I think it's uh, it, I think that's kind of a lesson for all of us. And I I've definitely been guilty of saying I studied this in school, therefore I don't like it now. Yes, I, I don't think, think I've been guilty actually because I I, I studied um, Mark Haddon's Curious Incident of Dog and Night Time, oh, that's, that's and fun. we went to see the play version of that, and I really liked it. Yeah, that 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 was fun. But yeah, I I, I have definitely been guilty of that, and that happens um, especially when you know you have to really study for an exam, and it has to go. You know, you, you, I think you have you you develop a different relationship with the material, but I I think that if you're one of those people. Go see Blood Brothers if you have a chance because it is very, very good. And try to see it. Try to see how current it still is, even though it was, uh, it was written in the eighties. I want to say maybe late seventies. I'm not sure, but even though it's, it's, you know, getting on now, uh, it's still very current, and the themes are all still very, re- very, very relevant. Uh, especially, especially now, I'd say almost weirdly, even though we're not, we're not talking about minds anymore, but we're talking about other, other issues, other social issues. So yeah. I think I I think it's because of the amount of times I've heard people say they don't like it. Yeah, no, I understand the specific your specific logic. Yeah, even if I don't agree, that's underrated. <laughs> um, so, what's your number one then? My number one is uh, Guys and Dolls. Now I I now I don't agree with you because I think that's everywhere. What do you mean it's everywhere? I think that's also true. Like that, that's kind of going to popular culture. People talk about it all the time. I th- I don't know. I feel I hear no, about it. A, a if lot. you if you uh, I think if you asked. 10,000 people in the street to name one song from Guys and Dolls, I think all 10,000 of them would say Guys and Dolls. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And that's not a song, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think anyone can. No, uh, probably not. Now, you, okay, you'll probably meet, f- of those 10,000, maybe five of them will know Luck Be A Lady. Yeah. Um, and that's basically, I think that's it. I think Luck Be A Lady is the only song the odd person might know. Mm-hmm. And then of those people who know it, only half of them actually know it's from Guys and Dolls. Yeah, sure. I think, I, but I, I do think that it's of. I think of I all. Bet a lot of people think it's a Frank Sinatra song, of, even though Frank Sinatra didn't even sing it in the movie. He just subsequently sung it on el- on. His oh, albums. I've never seen the film. He didn't sing it in the film. No, though. Marlon Brando sings it in the film. There was a whole argument though, apparently, over who got to sing it because that's a big number. Yeah, but 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 the lead but the lead role is Nathan. Yeah, yeah. So Frank Sinatra basically wanted to be Nathan and have the best song. Yeah, and well, uh, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't. Thankfully, it didn't work out. I think of all of all of your shows, this is the uh, the one that is the most popular potentially. But I I I get that that maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Underrate, underrated. But that doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything because it's it could still be underrated even though. If, if I it's think popular. because it is a very good show. Hmm? I'm just trying to think. If I yeah, no, I I, I don't know. I really think it's very. I I don't think most people know anything about it at all. 
No, you're probably right. You're probably um, right. And it's a great show. It's got some amazing numbers in it. It's got some fantastic showstoppers like uh, uh, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. It's got Luck Be a Lady. Um, you know, it's got, uh, um, whatchamacallit, the good old, uh, oldest established. Uh, it's got some very, very funny numbers, such as Adel- Adelaide's Lament, mm-hmm. Sue Me. Um, it's, 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 a abs- it's fantastic. It's got some moving numbers, like uh, More Than I Would Wish You. Uh it's it's got it's got everything. It's got heartfelt songs like that. It's got comic songs. It's got just cracking showstoppers. It's very very funny. It has a lovely lovely um just it just has a lovely atmosphere and feel good because you get transported back to you know prohibition to a fun version of prohibition New York. It's just su- it's just silly gangsters being silly. I mean they're not gangsters. They're just they're just gent they're just like people gentlemen I guess you know um gambling. Um, and then the, one of them shows up with a gun. Everyone's like, oh "My God, he's got a gun! What the hell? This is too much! I'm out!" It's like it's it's a uh, it's all very just silly and daft, and and all the characters are likable, even though they're all a bit a bit uh, a bit dodgy, a bit dodgy and flawed. It's just it's just lovely. It's just such a fun show. I love it so much. Yeah, we did see a good production of it at the Savoy a few years back. We did, um, yes. Which was very it was a, it was a proper big production of it. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely very, very cracking enjoyable. production. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it at the time. So I guess, they, again, there you go. I knew nothing See? about it. I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I love Guys and Dolls. And I, th- I think mm. it's one of, the, one of the most underrated. Even though it's been parodied in The Simpsons, for example, many years ago. It's kind of niche, isn't it? Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the most underrated musicals of all time. Okay. So my number one, and this is me uh, running the risk of sounding like a broken record. Uh, the most underrated show, in my opinion, is my favorite show of all time. And it's once, and to me, it's it didn't even win the Olivia Award. I'm I'm sad about that. I'm sad for once. I know it was running. It was running against Book of Mormon. It was a it was a difficult year to choose, and I can I understand that. I don't know how Book of Mormon won over once, uh, in particular personally, but yeah, I I think it's a show that deserves a place, a permanent place in the West End, in my opinion. But it's not there anymore, and I think it's because it attracts. A certain type of crowd as well. I think it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily attract ever, attracts everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a show that doesn't give you the ending that you usually find in musicals. And I remember seeing it for the first time. And as the show ended, a woman, the woman behind me, told her friend, said to her friend, uh, "What is this? The end? What?" And then yeah, she, she was just she was a bit angry about the fact that that was the end. Uh, even though I love it, uh, so to me that's the most underrated show. But it's it's it's. But I I did love it so much because well. I love it so much as well. Yes. Yeah. No. I think mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think I think it's a reasonably underrated show. I think it is underrated. It didn't win the Olivia, as I said. Which is, did not? No. So it it's. I just said as I said, uh, Book of Mormon won that year. Oh yes, we knew that. It yes, won the yes. it won the Tony, but it obviously competing with Book of Mormon. Yeah. Uh, no, but I do agree. It's underrated, definitely. Yeah, so that to me is the most underrated. I I didn't do a Chris did. I didn't try to balance my bias. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm trying to think. Is it more underrated or less underrated than chess? It's. Is it has more critical acclaim than chess? I think critics are usually happy to to like to, yeah, to be yeah, positive about it. Uh, but I think I I feel it gets forgotten a lot. It is, of course, it does have an Oscar-winning song in it as well, which it does, takes, yeah, takes yeah, away a little bit from the argument. It's very, underrated. Very true, yes. But, but, but I, I do think it's forgotten a lot at the time. Yeah, no, I think that's, I, yeah, I yeah. definitely think you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's my number one. Well, there you go. Do you have any special mentions? I do have a few honorable mentions, actually. Yeah, okay. Um, do you, uh, so just Whistle Down the Wind, 
Okay. Yeah, that, I've never seen that. Uh, that's a great show. I didn't put it in because Andrew Weber. I, I thought only one Andrew Weber was was reasonable. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Spring Awakening, maybe. I mean, it just doesn't get seen to be put on very often. It was. I think it, it's because it kind it, of was like a flash in the pan. It was very big for a very short amount of time. Yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, apparently, it didn't do very well in the West mm. End. So we are going to see it in January. Uh, uh, and we'll see. I'll judge for myself. I've never seen it. Half a sixpence, which you mentioned. Uh, an honor mention that's not from me, but from uh, actually the theatre per- fret mentor who I mentioned I went to see chess with. His favorite musical of all time was Kiss of the Spider Woman. Okay. Which um, I've never seen. But uh, he always maintained it was the best musical ever. And it's like, it's def- very underrated. Def- if, definitely if, never. If that's the case. Because yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. ever puts it on. I think, actually, I think it was, but not that long ago. But uh, so we must see that at some point. But that's, 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 uh, I think that's it, really. Mm. How about you? I don't, I don't, I don't have anything really because I kept thinking of because a lot of the time is um, very much shows that I love that I don't think people love enough, but they are actually quite popular. So I'll, 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 I won't mention anything. You're afraid of my of my wrath. I am afraid of your judgment. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's just, it's just. I think, I think you're. I think I agree with some of the ones you mentioned, and mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a, an interesting list. Quite Go. a robust list when you between between both our lists and the other mentions. Quite a lot of shows. Yeah, uh, go listen to them. Yeah, do. Do listen to see them if you can. Although the whole point is that you, it's hard to see because I'm not put on often enough. Yeah, maybe they will. Maybe someone will listen to this list and put them on. Yes, this will be. <laughs> this is it. This is the defining moment. Be mentioned on the Restricted View podcast means you definitely get a production. <laughs> uh, but please do head over to our Instagram, restricted.view, and let us know what is your what you think is the most underrated musical of all time. We're very interested to hear. Do you agree with our list? Do you think it's basic? Do you think it's uh, quite. Do you think it is think it's a good list? But most importantly, I want to hear yours. What's the most underrated? Rated musical of all time. Restricted dot view on Instagram. Let us know. So on to our tip of the week. Uh, so this is a tip quite uh, reminiscent of a few others we've done. We've had we've done tips on lotteries, we've done tips on rush tickets, we've done tips on Disney Day tickets, and this is kind of another one which has just just become out. Um, although we are going to quickly, before we get on to that main bit, just give a take the opportunity to give a quick Today Ticks Rush Tickets update. Yes, a lot of things now have Rush Tickets, which is great. I love that. Yeah, we did do an update not that long. Well, it's probably a while ago at this point. So I think I think the only the only I think only two things I think are are new. I don't know actually, maybe three, mm-hmm. maybe three. Um, so re- added to Rush Tickets have been Anne Juliet, mm-hmm. which now have twenty five pound Rush Tickets. Yes. Uh, Get Up Stand Up the Bob Murray musical has, which has just opened has rush tickets as well which is great for £25 as well um, and there's another one which is Dear Evan Hansen yes uh, which is £30 rush tickets a little bit more expensive yes there's also The Ocean at, at the End of the Lane that also has rush tickets is the adaptation of New Gaiman's book oh yes that's a new one as well you're yeah, quite and right and that has £25 rush tickets yes I think everything else already had them mm-hmm, I think so I don't think there's anything else new but yes, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Stephen Hansen, which we're seeing tomorrow. Ooh. Um, wish we knew about rush tickets. I guess we we, we assume they weren't going to have them because they didn't have them when it was open previously. No, but most shows seem to, seem, seem to be having them, and I think it's because it's just such an easy way to decide if you want to go to the theatre that day, if you're feeling well, if you know you're clear. You know, it's yeah, great. We'll definitely and we'll utilize that mm-hmm. at some point to go see Anne Juliet and perhaps the Bob Murray musical as well, mm-hmm. um, sometime in the new year. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely, definitely, uh, as always, keep an eye on rush tickets. They are fantastic. Uh, they are the way that most shows these days seem to do their day tickets. Um, however, and this is kind of the, the new bit. Phantom of the Opera is conspicuously absent from rush tickets. It is indeed. So presumably they were doing their day tickets still in person, but this has changed. 
Yes. We finally, we, I got an email this week uh, telling me to try and get day tickets for Phantom of the Opera for £30. And I was just very surprised and very glad because Phantom is actually a very expensive show. To Unbelievably see. expensive show. You, spend, you can spend, usually spend £30 to sit directly behind a pillar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the way, so this is basically, the way it works is, we, yeah, we, we, this is why we're putting it in the tip section because we, we had to be emailed directly to find out about this. Um, but anyone, anyone can get involved. You don't need to be on a main list or anything. Uh, you need to go to uk.thephantomoftheopera.com. Okay, I will link that on the description of the podcast. Please do. And basically what you do then is there's one of the buttons is £30 day tickets, which says release at 10am on performance days. It's always 10am. It's the same as Rush tickets, same as Disney day tickets, etc. And then what you do is you click on that. It's going to ask you to give a few details, your name, your email address, that's basically it and then it'll ask you to to potentially sign up to their mailing list which you can do if you wish and then uh it will then they will email you a an email uh, with a link which you have to click to confirm your email address once you've done that you that you then have access to um the 30 pound to tickets the, to, to the i was gonna call them rush tickets to the they're 30, not rush tickets to the 30, to the 30 day tickets which yeah. are exactly the same as rush tickets 10 a.m and what I've done is basically the, the the link that they send you then in the second email, it's thanking you for confirming, is the link you need. I have basically bookmarked that uh, that that, that link. That, that link um, to which, and if you go to it, if you go to it too early, it will just have a countdown. So I've just gone to it now. It currently says eleven hours and twenty eight minutes and thirty three seconds until you can book these tickets. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, Phantom Opera are doing their own thing, but they have thankfully joined the online day ticket day seat revolution yeah which is very very helpful if you've ever wanted to get tickets for phantom you know how helpful that is yeah oh that'll save a lot of money so we yeah. actually we might actually be able to go back and see it because uh, we probably we were leaning towards not going to see it this year because it's so expensive we've seen it so many times and um but uh yeah i think for 30 pounds we could probably we yeah, could, yeah. With good seats as well hopefully yes we'll, we'll report back anyway yeah but yeah check it out uk.thefantasyopera.com UK, I think it was actually, but Deborah's going to link it anyway in the in the, in the description uh, yeah. of the podcast. Check yeah. it out. Uh, today our discussion is about spoilers. Yes, spoilers, or not not just spoilers. More, it's more probably a little bit more nuanced than that, right? It's kind of to do with how much you how how much one could, can should know about a performance. Yes, and it will contain no spoilers. No, yeah, we're not we're not we're not spoiling any particular show, but um. It's kind of about uh, yeah what what uh, what level of knowledge is kind of good and what level of knowledge is possibly too much. In our opinion, of course. Yeah, of course. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's and a- I think to begin with, um, it's always a question. It's always something that I ask myself. Uh, this is regarding musicals, right? And should you listen to the soundtrack before going to a show? Yeah, with me, this is a big one with musicals. I think obviously because, but but but, but specifically, I find that the plot of musicals is rarely something that matters in terms of being spoiled. Like, most, say, yeah, say, most of the time it isn't now. Like I, I think the vast majority of people go into Phantom of the Opera knowing rough. Well, maybe that's not true actually. Do most people go into Phantom knowing how it ends? I don't know. I think a lot of people might think the Phantom ends uh, uh, with, with Christine. I'm not sure. The Phantom ends with Christine. Yeah, like they end together. End up together. Oh, the characters. Okay, the characters. The character, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant that they end up together. I don't know. Hadn't thought about that. Um, well, well, it's, it's hard to think about these things with, once you're so familiar with these shows for so long, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the classic musicals, everyone knows how they end, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. Point, it's I a bit like Shakespeare, I guess. You just, yeah, know, right. you just know the ending. And it's yeah. been there for such a long time that it's almost that's weird to complain about spoilers because you've had so many opportunities to kind of 
know what happens. Yeah, well, Shakespeare in particular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so musical and soundtrack. So do you? What do you generally do? Um, I generally go in blind. Really? Yes. Uh, I there, there have been there there have been instances when I like where I knew some of the songs. I knew like a couple of songs. So before I went to see Wicked, I knew Defying Gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. I knew I I knew the songs in Hamilton. So yeah. Hamilton, I knew pretty well, and I listened to that before I saw it. Um, so Hamilton's kind of a unique one, I think, where you you basically have to have listened to the soundtrack beforehand because you will not understand what they're saying otherwise. There's, yeah, because it is the music is very dense, not in a bad way, but just there's so much to it. Right? It's very there's, quick as well. It's very quick. Yeah, it's very different. Um, yeah, so Hamilton I knew, but often I don't. Often I don't listen to it. So I went to see. I was actually talking about this with a friend recently. She went to see Six and she took her partner who had never seen it mm-hmm. and he was going in blind. He decided that he doesn't want to listen to the music yeah. before going I in. went in blind to Six. Me too. I hadn't listened to it before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't how, know. Do you, how do you find it? So I have, I have, I have two minds, I guess. One of them being, uh, not about Six specifically. No, I was saying, asking how did he find it. Oh, he friend. find it. Oh, yeah, how yeah. did he find it? Yeah. Oh, I think, I think he, he, he loved it anyway. He didn't mind not okay. knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but I, but regarding listening listening to the soundtrack or not listening to the soundtrack for me, it's um, I think it really it really really depends because there is I do think that knowing some of the music beforehand helps you to get into the into the show, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time you can there's so there's so much surprise if you don't know you know there's so many good things that can come of it if you don't know the music so I'm not really sure where I stand. I think unfortunately the, the it's 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 kind of a uh, circular problem, actually the, the idea of listening to musicals musical soundtracks beforehand. I think the problem is so I think generally speaking it's better to listen to music before you see a live performance, um, yeah. because if you think about like I think about albums from bands you maybe hadn't didn't weren't familiar with before you listen to it, or even bands you were familiar with and were fans of. The first time you listen to an album, it kind of washes over you. Um, a, lot, a, a lot yeah. of the songs even if often sound the same. It's kind of like you don't remember. Oh, you don't remember that oh, those those that's two different songs. I mean, I remember the first time I ever listened to Panic at the Disco's first album. I was like, all oh, those songs are the same. <laughs> um, but now I really like Panic at the Disco. Um, it's it, it's um. So I really think if I like I wouldn't like I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend someone pays a hundred pounds to go see a rock concert if they don't know the music. I mean, there are some people they exist. There are people who will who just love live music full stop. And will happily pay hundred, two hundred pounds to go see a band they know nothing about. And also about. love discovering new music, right? Yeah, and, and love discovering new music through live. The, live, the, live they're music. they're hobbyist concert goers. But yes. unless you're a hobbyist concert goer, I would never recommend doing that. And, and I think musicals therefore kind of should fall into that same category to a certain extent. However, the problem I find is I can't really get into musical soundtracks unless I know something about the musical. It's, it's it's a bit like it's a bit like whenever I see whenever I now listen to the the album of a band I have seen live I find my experience is amplified because I've seen them live because I can you know that it brings back the memories of see of, of seeing of seeing them live and I now listen to it almost as if as as a as a as a, as a memory now yeah even when I listen to the CD which is great um and that can happen that happens with musicals too when you listen to the soundtrack of a musical you know you've been to it almost is like reliving the memories again but the but the problem is um. 
But the problem is you, you can't do that the first time you listen to it. First time you listen to it, you're listening to it purely as music. Mm-hmm. And musical music often requires context, which we kind of talked about before. It was like, I think um, we mentioned it with Cinderella, I think, how the songs are... It's the, some of the lyrics in Cinderella are so poor. So poor. Yeah. But they work a lot better in context. Mm-hmm. They're still poor lyrics, but they're not... They, but, like, they make us laugh out loud at how bad they are. When yeah, you, and you, and you forget out of, out of a little context. bit as well that they are as bad, right? Yeah. You kind of you're in in the story with you're you're kind of immersed. So yeah. You, you you kind of just let it go essentially. Yeah. So I almost feel that to fully appreciate a musical score, the first time you listen to it, it kind of has to be live whilst watching it. But but then but you won't be able to fully appreciate it if you're completely unfamiliar with the music. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's, so that's what I mean. It's by a particular problem. You should listen to it prior first to have the best experience. But you can't listen to it properly unless you have the context of the show. So basically, you, you're it's impossible to have that. Both choices are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As for what I have always done, I I actually I my I would have told you that I generally I I, I had to think about it. Immediately, I actually would have just answered. I um, I I would I generally say would say I I generally listen to the first. But actually, that's not true at all. When I actually thought about it, the reason I think I do that is because the vast majority of musicals I saw growing up, I had listened. My, my parents had been playing the soundtracks in the car or at home. Um, for uh, all what you know, I was growing up. So by the time I saw them, is yes, I had listened to it many times. I'd seen my parents watch a documentary about it, or you know, yeah. Um, I I I. Whether I hadn't listened to the soundtrack all the way through, probably in like an actual conscious listening, mm-hmm. um, looking for the story, looking for the common threads. Yeah, yeah. like I actually remember asking questions to my plot questions. To my my mom when I went to see them is I think before I, before it, um, but I still like I was very familiar with do you hear people sing or something for example, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and then and that continued then, but then but then that continued throughout my childhood. But then when I got older, for example, when I went to see the woman in white when I was about sixteen or so. Um, we went. I went to that just basically. We went to that just because my mum had seen it. My mum wanted to see it because she was a big Andrew Weber fan and she was a big Michael Crawford fan. So she went to see it uh, with a friend when she was in London. And then when we all came to London the following year, she took us all to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only went to it kind of basically because my mum wanted just thought she was going to take us to it. She thought it was good. Yeah. And and I hadn't listened to anything from it. Actually, having said that, maybe I had. My mum was probably playing it in the car, mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing her. She probably was, but she definitely did, and probably before I saw it. But then, so now in my adult life, whenever I go to see a show, I'm uh, when I think about, it, I actually I don't listen to the soundtracks beforehand. Hamilton, I'd heard most of, similar to that, I heard all these stuff because you played it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did play it. Yeah. You play it constantly. Yeah. Um, but like everyone's talking about Jamie, I knew nothing. I didn't hadn't, didn't no. heard anything of um, Cinderella. The only stuff from Cinderella I'd heard had been. So well, actually, Cinderella, I had actually listened. I'd watched the two, the two or three YouTube, three YouTube videos. They, they released. They yeah. released three songs, and I listened to two and a half of them mm-hmm. um, by choice. So I didn't listen to the soundtrack. I don't know if the soundtrack was even out. Back to the Future. I think I listened to. There was like a mixtape on the website where you could like hear like thirty seconds of a few couple of songs. I listened to that. Yeah. So I think I think that's kind of the. I think inadvertently that's kind of what I would rec- I've ended up doing what I would kind of recommend and I have done through my whole life it's not that I'd recommend listening because actually I don't think I've ever gone to see a show the soundtrack to which I was completely familiar with maybe Book of Mormon oh yeah you knew every single word of that when you went yeah, to yeah so that's the only one I think but for the most part I always know I always have I'm always kind of like I'm always acquainted with the, with, with the music but I'm not I don't know the soundtrack per se. Mm-hmm. So I've heard one or two songs from it. I know the vibe and I know a couple of the big songs to look out for. Yeah. 
I, I think, think that's a good thing to do. Yeah. I think that's a good compromise because, like I said, neither thing's options are right technically because <laughs> you're gonna, you're missing out on an aspect either way. Yeah, I think for me the only show I actually knew all the songs to was um, Hamilton actually mm-hmm. uh, when I went to see it. But and then having said that, I had my favorite songs before going to see it, and it completely changed after actually having seen it. Again, context, isn't it? It's everything. It really is everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, it does change the way you see it. The, the fact that the numbers, some of the numbers, uh, some of the numbers for songs that I thought, oh, I really like listening to this in the car, but then when I actually see it, the other number is much bigger and much more entertaining to watch. So that then becomes my favorite. Then I listen to it and remember that big moment, you know. So right, alters the experience having seen it. It definitely does. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably why I would definitely would land on it. As I mean, this isn't this isn't a, this isn't this isn't like a a tips piece. This isn't a recommendation piece. But I guess I would end up if I was to give a recommendation, it would be to kind of do that to kind of listen to one or two of the big numbers. It helps you get um, excited as well. If you're going yeah, to see it. get built yeah. up by it. Like I said, then you're looking out for those big numbers, and it means that when you hear when you when you're it means that you're not going in totally cold. So you're, yeah. you're warmed up. So you get the so you get that benefit of listening to the soundtrack first that you're a bit warmed up, but then you still get the first full experience of the mu- of the music properly in context in the live show. Mm-hmm. And then when you go home and finally listen to the soundtrack all the way through for the first time all the way through, yeah. you then have the context of the show, of having seen the show. So I think it kind of mar- gets the best of, it's gets the, gets the best of all those options, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it's hard because sometimes you kind of you, you're thrown into it because someone's listening to it, so you will end up listening to the whole thing. Uh, but definitely, it's much harder. It's also much harder to just look for the uh, thread connecting all the songs if you don't know the story. Mm-hmm. So you feel a bit lost, and you might feel that songs don't work really. Like you, you, you might wonder why is this song in the middle of this musical? It makes no sense with the other songs you just played. Well, because you're not actually seeing the show, so you don't know mm-hmm. where 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 it belonged. But yeah, yeah. And uh, what do you think of, like, how much do you think you should know for plays? And how does it, does it really, like, ruin it? I don't know. Because I feel it's a different relationship that we have yeah. with spoilers in theatre as opposed to spoilers in, in a TV show or a film, even. Agreed. I mean, people rewatch movies and people, re- revi- yeah. revi- oh, yeah, yeah. And people revisit plays. Mm-hmm. But I think you, revi- you, you visit a play for the phenomenological aspect of it, I think, for that lived experience. Um, for the relationship that you have, the audience has with the with the drama, and how how the relation that 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 space between you and the action actually influences the meaning. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, very important. That's what makes theater special and make, make, what makes it different, because that isn't that that space isn't there in when you're watching a movie or something. Um, so I, I think spoilers, generally speaking, matter less as a result. For plays, because I think it's it's much rarer that you that, that 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 the thing that makes the thing that it's much rarer that the thing that is that is um at the front of your mind as you leave a theater is oh my god I can't believe that happened in the plot. Oh yeah, I agree. It's much rarer. It's um so it's, but 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 I do but having said that I mean, ha, so I mean Shakespeare as a brief aside is definitely I I definitely think everyone should know the complete plot to a Shakespeare before they go and see it. <laughs> Just because it's so hard to understand. Because it's impossible to understand otherwise. I defy any anyone, any anyone, not any English native English speaker to fully comprehend what's happening in a plot, and who the relationship, even the relationships of characters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, and there's so many characters often in in his play. So yeah. Yeah, and they all they're all called they're all, they're all like called different things. Like I mean, Macbeth is called Cordor half the time. Thing yeah. Cordor, right? Yeah. Um. Actually, is he the one called Cordor? Yeah, he is, isn't he? Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, but people are called the, the thing that they're thing of, the place yeah. they're thing of. Uh, Gloucester, um, same, Gloucester King, and, same yeah. in King Lear, Gloucester yeah. Yeah. and all these people. Um, 
Like when when you have when, on 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 pointless when they have Shakespeare categories characters in Shakespeare they, they have the pointless answers are place names at the time. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah, so Shake yeah. and, and and nobody goes to Shakespeare for the for the the rug for, have that rug pulled from under them the, the the plot twist. Nobody has that. No, you go expecting. I mean, if you like Shakespeare, I guess you go expecting uh, a different take on something that you've seen many times. Mm-hmm. You know, you a different interpretation to an age-old text. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's also the fact that it, we we were saying that it's different, right, between plays and then cinema and TV shows. Uh, and so much so that so many people are very willing to read scripts and know exactly what's going to happen in the plot. Yeah. And but not they, how often do you hear people reading the scripts of films? Yeah, they're not published. Are they? They're, no, but I'm sure they occasionally you, are. But I'm sure you, they are, and, and it's becoming more popular. Like the publication of things like the scripts for Fleabag and the Richard Curtis films. Like the, they, well, they that, are. That's that's a play, of course. Yes, but the, it, was, it, was, it was the script. It was the script for the for the TV yeah, show, I know. right? So it is becoming more popular. But how often? Like it's still very, uh, very unlikely to happen. Like you won't have read the script for a film or a TV show before you see yes. it. Whereas with a play, you might have done that. Um, so I feel our, our our relationship is different. Our spoiler alert relationship with plays yeah. is different. Of course, there's been there's been I've seen research <laughs> that's been conducted that actually apparently demonstrated spoilers increase your enjoyment of something. Hmm. I would say they alter it. You get a different type of enjoyment. I think so, yeah. Because um, it's nice to be surprised. And maybe that's why it's best to watch... Because you, you can always re-watch something knowing what happened. Knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. But if you're spoiled, you can never get that back. Yeah. So um, so although I, I don't worry as much about spoilers as I used to, especially yet since I since I heard of that study. Um, because I do... I, I do I did it When I read it, I agreed with it. That I often find... Times I have been spoiled and things, I have found it hasn't really massively impacted my no, enjoyment. No, and I, I actually have this... Um, no, no, it's not theory or anything. It's just I have noticed that, for example, sometimes I know how a lot of people say, um, oh, I'll read the book first before seeing the film. I should yes. read the book first. And I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe if it's a difficult book, maybe if it's a dense book that it's you'll, you'll struggle to get into, watching the adaptation is actually going to help you get into the get into the book. Yeah, that's a and really good point, actually. That's happened to me so many times, especially when you're talking about classics and mm-hmm. you know books that are not as you know easy to consume. Yeah, we have that with the, the Dune at the moment. Which yes, like, yes, right. Dune's just come out very recently, and loads of people who never read it are getting really into it. But also struggling because it's a very difficult book. Yeah, because this is, this happened when Stephen King's It came out, the film. Mm-hmm. Um, loads of people picked up the book and then f- discovered, oh, it's actually over a thousand pages long. And it's far too dense and and <laughs> there's far too much going on. And yeah. there's magical space turtles. <laughs> <laughs> and the story doesn't end in two hours, yeah, it you know, it's just, or even in four. Yeah, but it's it's, it's even I, I even my own experience with this is a long time ago when Lord of the Rings came out. I I never encountered it before, and then I watched the first film, and, and then the, went yeah. to I, I read all the books before seeing the second. I think film. a lot of people did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know. I think that's it, it. It's just a different relation. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if spoilers, and this may be controversial, I don't know. I don't know if for anything spoilers matter as much as we have given them the importance to, to matter. Yeah. Like, the, the relevance. And as a so, uh, so going, going back, thinking back, back to theatre and back to your initial question, as a result, I don't think spoilers matter too much in plays either. They definitely matter in musicals, we talked about. I think with musicals, the question is about soundtrack and how familiar with the music you do or don't get. And we've, we've covered that. With plays, yeah, obviously it's plot. Um, I think 
as I said, I don't think it matters too much. I would actually, in fact, always recommend you have some idea. You have a plot, a blurb. Like you've, yeah, you've read the yeah. blurb, what it's about. I mean, I don't. It's very rare. Have we ever gone to a play where we literally knew nothing whatsoever? No, I don't think like, so. Usually, oh, actually, talk- no, we haven't. I guess so. So when we we went to see a very, very, very dark matter, right? And I was going to see that regardless of what it was about yes. because I knew it was Martin McDonagh's new play. Mm-hmm. So, but then, but 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 then, even before we went to see it, like I just, I just, I just looked, I just googled, I just googled that thing, and the whole, the, you know, its website said, said, oh, in 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 Copenhagen, Hans Christian Andersen just had something, something, something. Yeah, not that it made much. So much so sense so anyway. now I now I now I know it's about Hans Christian Andersen. Yes. Right? Yeah, you that's all, that's all we idea. knew. Yeah. That's all we knew. I, the, mo- the most recent one I can think of is the two character play because when. Um, when when it was announced, I was like, oh, I want to see it regardless because it's Tennessee Williams. I yes. just want to go see it. And then I I went to read a bit about it, and I, and it was still very vague because obviously it, it it's is deli- very vague. it's deliberately vague. Yeah. yeah, but it is vague in itself. Even like, how do you really explain the plot of that show? You know, like it's just you know there is there is a plot, but but it's just just about. Um, a pair of siblings reached an existential crisis <laughs> during their. While rehearsing for a show, you know, like there's a there's quite a lot which may or may not be taking place in yeah. reality or their minds. But yeah, yeah well, yeah, so I, we knew almost nothing about that either. But then again, you could argue that just the fact that it was a Tessie Williams, we knew it was Tessie Williams, and we know his style. Well, oh, there are there are expectations um, att- like attached. Yeah, to although it turned out to be a very different Tessie Williams. Yeah, yeah but we we kind of I think I think that but that's that's true though. If you say if I say to you, oh, let's go see the Spencer play that you've never seen before, even if you don't know what it's about, you kind of know. Why are you going to encounter, to encounter yes. in the play? Yeah, well, and actually that that brings us to as an exa- Pinter's an example actually of someone who, of plays who I would where I would actually recommend knowing nothing as much as as much as not, as close to nothing as you can. Um, so like we talked about the dumb waiter before uh, on the podcast, and we said how it's about two two men who are two sort of arguably hit men who are waiting for a target, and and that's that's kind of all you need to know. Yeah, but thinking about it now, uh, a lot of the uh, short Pinter plays that we saw during the Pinter season, we didn't know anything about. No, the, va- oh, the vast majority of them, in yeah. fact. Yeah, actually, that's true. In fact, yeah, so we did actually, we went to like several of those just knowing we're going to see a few, a few no short, yeah. we're going to see a few short plays. And I think I think it works well, for, because you can't really explain, well, okay, some of his stuff you could explain vaguely what it's about, but for a lot of his stuff you couldn't explain what it's mm-hmm. about very well. Same with same with Beckett, that's kind of the nature of Theatre Absurd in general. I think with Theatre Absurd, there definitely are, it's the other thing, it's not, they're not plot twists per se, but there's there's things I wouldn't, there are moments I wouldn't want people to know, and I would not have wanted to know. Um, but then, the, but then I think even with musicals, there might be ways that they're interpreting the text or, or the book uh, that are different, and that's why we haven't spoiled a particular moment in Cinderella, for example, because that's not actually that's very different. That's nothing to do with the plot per se. No, right? that, it has nothing to do with the plot, but that's that's the type of surprise that you get from musicals, I guess, for example, rather yeah, than, sure. than the plot itself. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd I'd much sooner spoil the ending of Cinderella, which. Is, which does, which is, an, which is um, an ending which is not necessarily one that everyone will see coming, right? Because it's not yeah. nece- not necessarily the cliche and the the um, obvious. The ob- it's not yeah. ob- it's necessarily yeah. the obvious ending, or at least there's elements of it that aren't obvious, mm-hmm. right? No, I agree. And I'd much rather, and yeah, I'd happily spoil that, frankly, except I don't think there's any particular benefit to doing so in our review. Mm-hmm. But if I thought there was a benefit to doing this in the review, I would have been much more willing to spoil that than I would be to spoil the other that other thing that we yeah. didn't, um, that other non-plot set moment 
Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, so a pin, so yeah, so Shakespeare definitely you need to have literally read literally read the exact plot summary, like what happens. Especially because <laughs> um, some t- there's wait. so many characters who turn into other characters and dress up as other people, and, and you, you won't you, know. lost, you lose track of it. Yeah, and the di- um, and the dialogue where they explain the three sentences they explain. I'm going to dress as this person now. Doesn't actually make that's not actually. It's <laughs> basically not what they say. Um, but yeah, Shakespeare literally read word for word what's going to happen. Pinter, Beckett, Theatre of the Absurd, that kind of stuff. I would say. I would say um, it, you don't. Need, I would say avoid as much as possible. Just know that. Just know if, if you like that style. I would say go in not knowing because that's because the whole the whole limitation of human knowledge is almost kind of a theme of, the, of that stuff. That's very true. Um, yeah. So I think I think and you know I don't. I also I think I think with something like theater Sir, I think it can almost too much alter your your interpretation. Your I perception. was gonna I was gonna say that now. I think that depending on who tell who gives you a blurb of the story, you might end up looking at it from a different yeah. perspective rather than just coming fresh to it. Like there's no evidence in the text or the performance for that that uh, that the dumb waiter takes place in I don't know, like in a dream or anything. But if I told you it takes place it's it's a dream. You would believe it. Yeah. You would believe you would believe it if you trust me because um there's because it is absurd, right? Yeah. So that can, absurd, absurd, absurd theater can be explained with it, with it as a dream if you want, to, if you really want to, mm-hmm. so, with any of these things. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, so I would recommend n- avoiding as much as possible with that with 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 absurdist theater or avant garde theater or even or postmodern postmodernism or even modernism, just because I think it's I think your your expectations are going to be too heavily colored. Yeah, and um, you def- definitely. So it's not so much about spoilers; it's to do with having your interpretation altered and coloured. I agree. Yes, definitely. And then when it comes to straight just drama, I suppose that's the that's the cl- the closest thing we can think of, the closest parallel to kind of c- to typical cinema or traditional storytelling, and yeah, like books and whatever. I think I think it's completely fine to have a blurb and to have an idea of what you're going to see. If you're going to see something like Tennessee Williams, absolutely just... Yeah, so there you go. Tennessee Williams, apart from Two Character Play, where he dabbled in absurdism, is probably the best example of this, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, probably, He's not best. He's a very good example of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just pure kitchen sink... Well, not kitchen sink drama. Pure... Just pure drama. Straightforward. Straightforward drama. Yeah. Stuff happens and it's interesting because of who because of the characters and because of the instances and the plot and and uh this and also there's been plenty of film adaptions of his work should you be spoiled in what happens in those what about that so in, in those then um i don't think it matters that much if you are if you were so to be, so inter- so, i think so you can go into it i think it's it, obviously best to go into it just kind of knowing the blur because then you will you will kind of join that path of knowledge of, of learning about the story but if you do know what happens in the end i don't think it matters that much so that's interesting because so we've had this is the kind of the fourth we've kind of sub we've kind of subcategorized into four things right we've had Shakespeare, we've had musicals and we've had kind of absurdist slash postmodernist slash yeah. modernist slash avant garde that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. alt alt theatre we'll call it and then this is the last one now we're talking about which is as I said kind of the the standard drama the most easily associate the most easily compared to to films and you're still saying you don't think it matters which is interesting do you think what what about what about someone who was going to see a Tennessee Williams film? I don't think it matters that much. <laughs> Is this because it's Tennessee Williams or because? No, I think. Um, I d- I don't know if it's because no, I don't think it's because it's Tennessee Williams. I think it's because the um, the end, the actual fact of the of the end or whatever spoiler moment during the show, they don't matter as much. What matters is the journey. So you don't think, but, but so right, but so but you also don't think it matters in the film adaption. No. So so do you think so? You are you basically arriving at the conclusion that spoilers don't matter? 
Yes, but I think you have to respect people if they don't want to know. No, no, of course. But, yeah. are, but are you basically surviving? Yeah. Yes, I, I think so, yeah. Right. So you don't think it matters if you know how, how Inception ends? Well, I don't know because then if, if I think it's funny because I think it might depend on the genre because it does. I don't want to know who who the killer is in an Agatha Christie book. Yeah, you go right. So maybe they do matter because that that's a big. Ah, uh, there you go, Mousetrap, right? We, yeah, we, so, so we, you, we very clearly did not spoil that, and the we, yeah. you're asked and by you're the asked cast not, not to. to. Yeah, so I do think so. I I think it depends. I think because this is so in a, in a, in an Agatha Christie play, the the um. Who 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 done it is very very important. Yeah, and it will not not. As, I'll say spoil, but maybe not even spoil. But it will definitely alter completely the way you consume the play. Yeah, I I'd happily go back and see it with my knowledge of who did yes, it. Yes, absolutely. And, and, ha- yeah. and have that experience, but you can be, but you that experience you can have first or second. The experience of not knowing who did it, you can only ever have that first. Yeah, so I think it might depend on the genre. Or is it even oh, not the genre? Is it just basically whether or not there is something to spoil? Yes, I guess. Right. So. I, I mean, because 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 so. yeah. if you take because if you take um, obviously there is always something to spoil. But what I mean by that is, I guess we have a, there needs to be like a term for this. We should have a theatrical term for this. The um, something like it like, doesn't can apply to the film as well. But a, a, a reveal moment. I know they call it reveal. A, a twist. It is a twist. Yeah, I guess a twist. A I guess I guess we have that term. Yeah, a twist. Yeah, so so twists shouldn't be spoiled. No, because I think they will definitely really alter everything. Because everything about a twist, the whole point of a twist is that you didn't know it was coming. Yes. Whereas it's not that is not about the journey. That's about the the that's about the yes. That's not about journey or the destination. That's just about the the, no. But I think very much the uh, Agatha Christie play. It is the part of the journey is trying to figure out who the culprit is. And, the, and that is so important. That's not right. So you're actually you're robbing some of the twist. You're also robbing them part of the journey. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Whereas, makes sense. whereas I think for for example, um, in I don't know the glass menagerie. If you tell people, if 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 you tell people what happens in the end. Oh, hang on! Spoiler alert. For I, them. No, I won't. I won't say <laughs> no? Any, no, I won't say anything. But if you tell people how it ends, you're not actually robbing them of the journey, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't know maybe maybe if I if I if I if someone told me uh, I would be be upset but I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's Agatha Christie or Who Done It. Full stop is yeah. a really that's almost too obvious an example. So like you we could we could you could arrive at the inclusion spoilers don't matter and then say but the exception that proves the rule is Who Done It. Yeah, that that's how like categorically obvious it is. Yeah. So, so is there so is there an example of other of something that where it's not quite like an example of twists that aren't twists? You know what I mean? Like something that we would put into that category of theatrical twist that it would really rob you of not only the twist, not only the reveal, but also partially rob you of some of the journey, but not something quite as blatant as a who 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 has done this. I think so. Can you think of one? <laughs> yes, but I don't want to spoil people now. <laughs> oh, but what's the what's the show? I was even thinking of Cinderella and um and what happens to uh to the prince. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't on. think it's particularly big. No, you're not robbing any journey though. I no, think. I guess not. But but the surprise because I was surprised when that happened. So I don't want to rob someone some someone of that surprise. I no, no, and I, and I avoided it in the yeah, thing. I, I think I, I think some I, stories, but, um, some stories, be them uh, plays or books or films or whatever, 
it doesn't it really doesn't matter there's really no big twist it's just a story it's just like if you're just going with these characters on the journey for two hours and then and then it's over mm-hmm. but then for other stories there are aspects of it that do matter right that, that, that you want this because the surprise is also part of it whoever wrote it was aware that that was it's a mini twist right it, whoever wrote it was aware that that moment would uh, you know catch people by surprise I don't know so yeah. it depends on, almost depends on how mundane the play is what about <laughs> what about the end of the first part of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child I don't think you should know that I think you should, should right. experience that. Yeah. But so th- so this might be the example I'm looking for. Obviously, we're not going to spoil this. So don't worry. But but so the thing that happens at the end of the first play, mm-hmm. I think if you knew that was coming, it would not ro- affect the journey whatsoever. It was so it would, so it would affect it. If you know what's happening. It wouldn't ro- It wouldn't rob you of that journey. Like like knowing who who a murderer is. Not to the same extent. I think that's the crucial no. thing. That's not the, to the same extent. That's the no. crucial thing you landed on, I think, in the Who Done It, right? The mm-hmm. fact that just that it robs you of not only the twists or not only the reveal, because we're, we, we, we're so using twists to refer to the to the, to the, thing, the moment mm-hmm. and the reveal is a part is a is a is, an, is, an, is, a, is a positive fun aspect of that. So it rob you of the reveal and it robs you of the journey, part of the journey of trying to figure it out. In Harry Potter, the thing that happens, you'd be robbed of the reveal because the reveal is a great ga- is a great moment, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't be robbed of the journey. No, you probably wouldn't. You're right. You probably wouldn't. So, so that's a less obvious example, I think, of of a, of a, of a twist, of a, of, yeah. a, of a twist, uh, right? I think so, and, yeah. I, and I think, and 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 I would hesitate. I would not hesitate any. I would hesitate just as much to spoil that as Agatha Christie murderer. I would. I would also hesitate. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I, so, so I think what we've landed on then is. But if you had to spoil one of them, you'd spoil the Harry Potter one. Oh, that's a good question. If you had to spoil one of them for somebody, that's a very good question. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, actually, yeah, that's a really do- that's, that. Logically speaking, based on kind of what we've kind of laid out, I guess we'd have to, right? Because you're not robbing because because the whole the whole mousetrap is rendered not worthless, but you can never experience it properly. No, and and the thing with with who done it in in the in these types of stories is that. It 100% matters, especially uh, with certain authors who will put hints there. But I'd be so upset to spoil Harry Potter or somebody as well. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. So, yeah, I think, okay, but yeah, if you had to spoil one, I think you'd spoil, yeah, you have to spoil it because there's still a lot of more joy to be found in the Harry Potter play than that moment. And, and, um, and once you've had that moment, I mean, that, that, that moment, then the whole second play then just would happen the same. Mm-hmm. The fifty percent of the play is identical. Yeah, your experience would be identical because you know. Um, whereas yes, whereas if you found if you knew the, the murder and mousetrap or or, anyth- or or another Agatha Christie story, you'd be you're done. Yeah, that's it. You're done. Yeah, it also depends on how much you care for a story. Uh, I remember this is um uh, this is a few years back when Game of Thrones was on, and I hadn't read the books. I haven't read the books. Uh, and I, a very good friend of mine had read the books, and I got him telling me everything. I want to know. I was like, I don't care. I'm not gonna read them. I need you to tell me what's yeah. happening. So I knew I knew what happened to Jon Snow up to what we knew. You know, I knew that. Did it rob me of anything? I don't know. But then by the time we got there in the TV show, I didn't care anymore. Well, so yeah. I don't know how that, much it robbed that's me. That's a different issue. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I, so, so I think we've... Okay, so it's twists, basically. 
but yeah. we so but we can't but we can we can so we we can't define twist as something that will rob you of part of the journey as well then because the harry potter one we, we're calling it but this is why we need a new term i think for it yeah we it's basically yeah it's because it's yeah but 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 because you yeah it's tough what how do you define a moment that you uh, how do you define how do you well, define I, a moment that you you can't spoil I know cuz cuz actually if you think about it the uh the culprit in an Agatha Christie play is not really a twist you know it's coming but you don't know who well, it, it can, is it, it's only a twist if it's like it's Oh only, it can be a twist it, no, it's only can't. a twist if it's something like I don't know like the murderer is the person is one of the victims or something No what I, I mean what I mean oh, to he say he wasn't dead after all he was actually alive and and living in the walls yeah, or something the, crazy Yeah the murderer like is the good guy you know like he's something like that Yeah, yeah. Even that's not really a twist that's that's almost cliche at this point you know But like, but the, see that's what I'm saying um it's not it, what I mean to as say. Far as is, I, by the way, as far as I know, there is no Agatha Christie where someone it, he thinks someone's dead, then he's living in walls. And <laughs> <laughs> there might be, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what I mean to say is that you know that the reveal is coming, so the reveal itself is not a spoiler. That that, that will be the revealed. fact. Yeah, yeah. The, the existence of a twist isn't isn't a yeah, twist. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard, and I think it's a very it's kind of a personal choice in a way because you have to decide how much this experience of this piece of art matters to you and how you want to experience it are you meant to is is the audience meant to gasp when they discover something yes that's a good metric isn't it yeah are they going for a gasp are they going for shock if they I are i think sometimes they are if they yeah. are but if they are don't spoil it for someone yeah maybe that's the best way to do it yeah but I think uh, I think that's a. I mean, the whole point of this conversation was it didn't really, didn't really necessarily have an answer, did it? So we've no, kind of, no. And we've um, we've uh, ended up talking about it a lot longer than I thought we would actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's quite a lot to say because it is very interesting, especially nowadays where spoiler alert is kind of the such a used term for many things, but also kind of a hashtag. It's like everywhere, so it's just it's interesting. I think to think about these things and how much we care about them or not. Because I almost went on. I went on the journey here in this conversation because I got to the mm-hmm. point that I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. But then it does matter for certain things. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed the way we end, we end up so categorizing these things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, guys, he, let me know us know what you think. Um. I'd be very interested in here. There's a few things. So head over to restricted Instagram. A few things I'd like to know um, from you. I'd like to know full stop what you what your what your you know ten cents two cents are. That what it says two cents. Right? I yeah, think. yeah. I don't know full st- what your opinion is. Full stop on this conversation topic. But if you indulge me specifically, I'd like to know um, what opinion is on soundtracks. Yeah. Whether you should listen to before a show or after or to what, I mean, if so, to what extent? Um, Shakespeare. I assume you agree with me. Um, I assume that everyone agrees that you should know it's better to know you'll enjoy Shakespeare more if you know what's going on but I'd be very interested to hear if you ever went to a Shakespeare not knowing what was going on and how that and whether or not you enjoyed it to me is particularly like, read, the, <laughs> read, read Shakespeare first I wouldn't say that normally but just read it first um, your opinion on yeah on, on absurdist theatre as well uh, would be interested to know and then, mm. and then but, but the two things I'm most interested in knowing are soundtracks and musicals do you, what's your take on that? And then spoilers in more traditional plays, full stop. Yeah. Twists, etc. Do you like knowing plots and ge- do you like knowing the the general plot but not the twist? Do you like knowing the twists? Do you not like knowing nothing? Please do comment on restricted dot view on Instagram. And let us know. Yeah, let, let us know what you uh, what you thought of the discussion as well. And uh, what what what's a play? Tell us a play that has the best the best twist. Don't tell us the twist though. Just tell 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 the play we have. Tell, tell us the play we have to see. <laughs> Play, not twist. Yeah. <laughs> Name that play, but not that twist.
And I think we're going to wrap it up there for today. We hope you very much enjoyed the episode. Yes, uh, I, I definitely enjoy having a discussion about spoilers. I didn't expect to enjoy it so much. Yeah, no, likewise. I said I kind of decided to cut us off because we'd been going. We'd, we, I, it was looking like it was going to be a controlled length episode, and you know, hitting kind of the hour mark, and we ended up going, we ended up going significantly over. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, unless I really enjoyed the top uh, the conversation on spoilers, um, I enjoyed compiling the underrated. Uh, list it yes. was much it was more less pressure and more fun than the overrated list <laughs> um we hope you get we hope you we're planning on using our our that tip about phantom we hope you guys get good use out of it as well yeah and um yeah. join us next time for uh, a very spoiler alert evan henson heavy episode <laughs> we'll catch you guys then next week in the meantime see more shows Bye bye